This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend in the scorching heat in Kent. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. On Monday, August the 15th, we will be talking about the weather in just a bit. But first, this is one of our most read stories today. A Kent teenager has been taken to hospital after what his father has described as a gang-style attack outside school. The 14-year-old who goes to Mepham School suffered a black eye and bruising following the assault by the Georgian on Rootham Road near Gravesend as he waited to be picked up. At least two other students are believed to have been involved. Now, this happened, as you might expect, at the end of term, but the dad has spoken out now because he's not happy with the response from the school. He's asked not to be named in order to protect his son's anonymity. Well, this is the response we've had from the school's head teacher, Kate Gerling. We voiced her statement. I am sorry to say that a Mapham student assaulted another of our students outside the George pub in Mapham. I can reassure you that the school has dealt with this in the strongest terms. I am horrified by the incident and extremely disappointed that a member of the Mapham school community could behave in such a way. I can reassure you that the school has dealt with this in the strongest terms. We have undertaken a lengthy investigation ourselves and the matter has been reported to police. However, the dad has told our reporter that the problem of violence at the school is being swept under the carpet. He says it wasn't just a fight, but his son was jumped on and beaten up. A number of other parents have also spoken out and you can read their comments within the story at Kent Online. We have been in touch with the Swale Academies Trust, which runs the school, but they haven't responded to requests for a comment. Following the incident, we understand that one pupil was excluded, although it's not known yet whether that was temporary or permanent. Staying with education news today and calls have been made for two new schools to be built on Sheppey to replace the current Oasis Academy. Just last week, we revealed in the podcast how the school had received an Ofsted rating of inadequate with reports of truancy, racial and homophobic language and a lack of permanent teachers. Well, now Roger Truelove, who's the former leader of Swale Council, says students should have a choice of two schools under two providers. Oasis have already already pledged £1.3 million to make improvements and a new executive principal has been appointed. Also today, it's being suggested schools in Kent are kept open in the evening and at weekends this winter, so children have somewhere to go to keep warm. A councillor's put forward the idea as the cost of living crisis affects more and more families in the county. It's feared some won't be able to properly heat their homes as energy bills rocket. Lorraine Schultz helps run the Medway Food Bank and thinks it's a good idea in principle, but warns it'll come at a cost. She's been speaking to our local democracy reporter, Kieran Duggan. My background's in education myself. So, um, yes, schools are usually warm and welcoming and safe places for for children to be. Um, however, there would be an impact on the staffing of that, presumably, and schools would need to receive adequate 
uh, financial help in order to do that. But yes, it is a very good idea. Um, slightly different, but similar. I was talking to another organisation yesterday and they're talking about doing something at their charity, that's in Chatham, whereby children would be able to come uh, drop in at the charity after school and receive um, a, a meal, uh, be able to sit and do homework. So I think lots of people are thinking along the same lines to support families in their localities. In terms of the, the, the bills themselves, I mean, what sort of support would you say your group needs? Um, would you be looking to public authorities like the government or the community or the council? Yeah, so we've been offered money um, through the Household Support Fund to support our charity. It's a very difficult issue for, for us, but we have had to turn that money down as much as we desperately need it because we strongly believe that that money that's coming direct from government to the councils needs to be going into people's pockets to stop people needing to come to food banks. So whilst we need financial support, we don't believe it should be coming from the government or the council for us because we strongly believe we're part of the Trust or Trust UK wide network of food banks. We think that it's wrong that in 2022 food banks are needed. And so we would want to see all the support. If there's financial support available, it needs to go into people's pockets so that they then don't have to turn to food banks. You know, some of the stories we hear, we're, we're currently dealing and packing parcels for uh, two or three people this afternoon who are just in very difficult situations where they don't have enough money to make ends meet. We were talking to a lady this afternoon who's struggling to afford to pay for school uniform for her child um, and have enough money to be able to feed the child during the school holiday. So that's why we're helping them out this afternoon. The system is broken and the system needs to be fixed right from the top. As wonderful as charities are like us and, and all the other charities that support across Medway, it surely can't be the answer in a developed country in 2022. When you say the system is broken, do you mean uh, the, the way in which the support is given to food banks or you mean more on a political level that, that there needs to be more radical change like as what's happening with the cost of living crisis? Yeah, definitely the latter. Um, so we believe that food banks shouldn't be here. So, so whilst yes, we do need financial support and we can seek that through grants locally and other ways, um, the answer uh, is that poverty needs healing. So I often say that if you like our food parcels are a tiny plaster that we're sticking over the gaping wound of poverty and it's poverty that needs healing because our parcels and even our signposting that we give, so that's crucial um, to what we do. We signpost people and we're just about to start a project um, with some food bank advisors who are going to work alongside our clients. But all of that... Um, it will help enormously, but we need to heal poverty in the UK in 2022. Uh, you know, I was listening this morning to the idea about the windfall tax for the energy companies. How can it be that our bills are all shooting up and up at the same time as their profits that are shooting up and up? And I'm glad to see that I think it's Rishi Sunak especially has left that door open um, that there could be windfall taxes that would then at least support the very 
you know, the most vulnerable in our society. Well, we've been asking in a poll on the story online, should schools be open longer to keep children warm this winter? Well, 13% of you who've responded have said yes, if it's that or them freezing at home. 32% say no, it's not fair on the teachers. And 55%, so the majority said no, there must be another solution. You can still search for that story. And let us know what you think by voting in the poll or leaving a comment. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today and a man who stabbed his partner at her home in Canterbury has been jailed for 16 years. David Creed was suffering from alcohol dependency syndrome when he attacked mum of two Catherine Granger in December 2020. The 53-year-old from Longacre Close in the city pleaded guilty to manslaughter and will have to serve four years on licence when he's released. An Ashford man who stalked his partner has admitted to fitting a tracking device to her car. 61-year-old David Binney from Oak Avenue in Biddenden became obsessive with the woman while they were dating and then threatening when the relationship ended. He'll be sentenced next month. Three teenage boys have been assaulted in an attempted robbery in Westgate. The victims were walking in Sussex Garden when they were approached by two boys who demanded they hand over their mobile phones. A member of the public intervened and the suspects ran off. Off. Two new pipelines carrying water to the Isle of Sheppey are going to be installed after supplies were cut off last month. You may remember 30,000 people were left without water when the only pipe bringing supplies from the Kent mainland sprung a leak. Well, work is meant to begin as soon as possible. Meantime, following the recent extreme heat in Kent, there's now three days of weather warnings for storms and heavy rain. The yellow alerts have been issued by the Met Office and it could cause flooding and power cuts. We know that firefighters in the county have been under huge pressure with more wildfires in Dartford, Snodland and Gillingham over the weekend. Now we could see them having to deal with some flooding issues as well. Well, the Kent Wildlife Trust, meantime, has said that developing more wetlands for wildlife could be a way to stop those wildfires. This summer, there's been a huge increase in the amount burning across Kent, as we explained actually in the podcast last week. Well, the Trust has been using water buffalo and beavers to create a healthy wetland in Hamfen in Sandwich. The work has seen ponds restored, which could stop woodland fires from spreading. Paul Hadaway says many people fall into the trap of thinking that technology is the only answer to the effects of climate change. He's been speaking to Abby from our colleagues at KMTV. I think what we've seen in this last few years is um, the impacts of climate change really being visited on us. And I think you can't um, not see this kind of incremental change in the landscape around us and the fact that areas are drier for longer, we've got droughts sooner, we're seeing increases in wildfires and actually those are impacts on wildlife but they're also impacting on farm crops and on people and so it's a, it's a really significant issue that, that has arrived a lot quicker than I think most of us expected it to and which we now need to be taking action to try and mitigate. Do you think um, some species are really facing a particular difficulty through the heatwave? What, what species would you say, what animals yeah, in Kent are really yeah. suffering? Well, absolutely. I mean, anything that is an aquatic species, anything losing our water, because actually right now we're having to extract water from our rivers to, to recharge reservoirs, to provide supply to, to farmers for, for crops and everything else. So any wetland wildlife is massively impacted. But it's bigger than that. The whole climate change issue is 
you know, driving a lot of the species that we see here, because we're actually on the northern edge of a lot of these species range already. We, we, you know, we are actually in effect a kind of extension of a lot of the European ranges of these species. So we're seeing species being progressively moved northwards. So a lot of the, the species and habitats we've seen in Kent are probably at this stage functionally extinct, and we will see that over the next few years and the change that that will bring in the wildlife that we have. And then we're here at a wetland today where, where we're trying to find the water buffalo, <laughs> struggling to locate them at the minute. But what what can the wetlands offer and, and can they be can they be the answer here? They're, they're one part of the answer. I think when we talk about climate change, it's very tempting to think about the technological, you know, build a machine kind of um, solution. When actually, if you want a machine that draws carbon down out of the, the environment, out of the atmosphere and stores it, you know, they're called trees and they're all over areas like this. What wetlands like this do, there's a weight of evidence that suggests if about 30% of any given land area has some kind of natural process going on on it, so there's a wetland, a woodland, but it's managed through um, the species that are here, in this case beavers and water buffalo manage this site, that locks up more carbon but it also provides a resilience in the landscape, areas where water can be stored over winter and can be kept wet through the summer so that there's water available if it's needed, all those sort of things. So it's about actually kind of allowing nature enough space to do what it does, because nature ultimately is the kind of life support system that we all rely on, and we've forgotten that. You know, we've completely disconnected from that. And actually that is one of those kind of cheap, easy to deliver solutions to climate change we've got to really start thinking about. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A teenage boy has been assaulted and robbed by a group of as many as six men in Canterbury. The victim was standing in St George's Street earlier this month when he was punched and had some of his personal belongings stolen. Police now want to hear from any witnesses and anyone with information is being urged to come forward. Figures seen by the Kent Online podcast show £5.5 million has been paid out in redundancy packages by the County Council over the last five years. It went to just over 200 employees whose roles were no longer required within the authority. Well, 81 staff were made redundant just last year to the tune of more than half a million pounds. The council, however, is facing budget pressures and has said it could need to save as much as £60 million next year. Well, council leader Roger Goff has been speaking to our political editor, Paul Francis. We'll always seek to, uh, firstly, to be sparing in the use of um, of redundancies. Um, it is something that uh, we have had to make use of at various points, but it is not something that we uh, would favour. Uh, and clearly we will always seek within the limits of our contractual, you know, we, we have obligations in this respect both ways. We have obligations to the taxpayer to ensure that we are um, uh, that we are getting the right value on that. But equally, we will naturally have our legal and perhaps in some senses moral obligations to the people who have worked for us and who are made redundant. I mean, over the, that period, there's been some quite high, some would say eye-watering termination packages uh, agreed, running into tens of thousands of pounds. I mean, that's uh, are those packages ones you can't avoid making because perhaps the length of service with the, with the person in question? Yes, again, I mean, we do not go out um, gratuitously seeking to make uh, large payments. And clearly, um, I think it's been a very different pattern now to, so let's say, 10, 12 years ago. We're in a different situation on that. Um, but as I say, you know, we have, we'll have legal obligations uh, in that respect. Uh, and equally, we will always make a very careful judgment about um, when a redundancy uh, is appropriate. But, you know, redundancies will often, and I'm thinking here about um, uh, larger numbers will be linked to, for example, significant changes 
um, in how the council does its business. Uh, that will be uh, a major area of it. Um, I don't. I think by and large, you know, we are not in the business of doing these. You know, very large individual packages. Ashford residents have signed a petition calling for a 5G mast more than 20 years after better connectivity was first promised. One resident said a mast was planned when she bought her property way back in 1995, yet the areas of Park Farm and Bridgefield are still plagued by signal dropouts. More than 140 people have so far backed the campaign. Part of the A2 is going to be closed for resurfacing works this week. The Bapchild stretch between Faversham and City Sittingbourne will be shut from 8 this evening until Saturday. We've got details of the diversion routes for you at Kent Online. Meantime, one of the major routes in and out of Sittingbourne will close next week as well for pothole repairs. Motorists will be diverted away from Swan Street Avenue between the 24th and 27th of August. It's part of the council's £7.5 million pothole initiative. Kent Online reports. A man's been ordered to pay nearly £50,000 after contaminated rubbish was dumped on land near Gravesend. Pradeep Chima ran a waste processing company in Higham but was told by the landowners to clear the site. The 22-year-old from Painters Ash Lane in Norfleet ignored evidence that his staff were fly-tipping materials next to a fishing lake and in a nearby road, causing a serious risk to the environment. A Medway woman has been sharing her experience with the menopause after being hospitalised six times. Annie Cardone from Raynham suffered from insomnia and sleep psychosis, but doctors were slow to give her a proper diagnosis and treatment. Well, it's something famous people have spoken out about in the past few years, but Annie says things can be different for the average woman. This is her story. I didn't know, and a lot of women don't know anything about perimenopause. And perimenopause, you know, the word peri, uh, the definition is prior to. So prior to menopause, about a year before you go through something called perimenopause, I'd never heard of this term. Um, I was 48 years old. I still had my cycle. And that's what throws a lot of women off. They don't realize, you know, that it's coming. You start to feel um, a little more emotional. I mean, for me, the dominant symptom in perimenopause was um, insomnia. You know, I could not sleep and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And about another year or two passed and I was absolutely fine. For me, I sort of put it down to, well, maybe I had a bit of a breakdown. My dad died. It's, you know, understandable. Um, But then it happened again in America. And um, it was only in America that I had a doctor, I was lucky enough to find a doctor who was a a specialist in hormones in the endocrine system. And she said, Annie, you know, I think you're in, you're in menopause. So that was, that was kind of my experience. And I went on this horrific journey and really, really came to the conclusion that the only thing that really helped me during menopause was taking care of myself not allowing all the stressful factors that were going on in my life to continue. And if you think about it, at this age, it's, it can be really stressful. You've got relationships breaking up. You've got grown-up children at home. You've got financial responsibilities as a woman. You're working maybe two or three jobs. You've got your parents losing your parents. You're going to go through that, losing your siblings. You've got your own illness. You've got the fact that you're aging and, you know, you're becoming invisible that there aren't so many opportunities at work. There aren't so many opportunities if you're single. And, you know, there's so much stigma in aging as a, for a woman that um, you've got all these pressures and all these stress, stresses. And then, you know, 
that then has a massive impact. The biggest impact um, anything had on my symptoms was stress. So, you know, my talks, my books, uh, you know, the, the, my book that's coming out and then another one is really talking about women who come from a similar background to me. Oh, I was going to ask why you wanted to do them the tour. Is it, is, so is it starting in Kent? Where is it going other than Raynham? It's going to do all the Maidway towns. It's definitely going to do Gravesend. It's going to do Dartford, Bexley Heath. Um, I'm going to do Rochester, Chatham, Gillingham. Um, it, funnily enough, the event in Raynham is almost sold out. It happened so quickly. Uh, capacity is 100 people, 100 women. And literally all weekend, it's been email after email after email. My emails have been blowing up. You know, so it's that's that's fantastic. But it really is an indicator of how much this is needed. Plans have been submitted for another Aldi store in Ashford nearly two years since the company first purchased the land. However, people living there have concerns over the development, which will be built off Canterbury Road in the Kennington part of town. They say the already congested stretch of road will be unable to cope with extra traffic, although roads chiefs say highway improvements will be made. Meantime, a public exhibition is being held in Dartford as plans are unveiled for more than 700 homes. The new development is called Stone Pit 2 and is off Watling Street. The houses will be built in three phases and we're told just under a quarter of the properties will be affordable housing. Kent Online reports. A small micro distillery near Ashford looks set to be given the go-ahead despite opposition from locals. There are plans to convert an agricultural storage building at a vineyard in East Braybourne to make fruit spirits and grain whiskey. Some residents are worried about the extra noise and traffic, but it's been recommended for approval at a committee meeting this week. A $400 million super yacht has been spotted in Kent. It's owned by the former Emir of Qatar and Dr Dover over the weekend. The boat even comes with a helicopter pad and enough space for 28 guests. You can see pictures of it by heading to the website. Late Night Talking by Harry Styles has made it three weeks at number one on the Kent Top 40 over on our sister radio station KMFM. Stay With Me by Calvin Harris, Justin Timberlake, Pharrell and Halsey is still at number two. Tom Grennan's made it to number three with his track All These Nights. And finally, Tracy Emin's been made an honorary free woman of Margate. The artist is only the fourth woman to receive the honour and she says she'd love to see Margate become European town of culture in 2030. The ceremony took place at her studio in Union Crescent. Kent Online Sports. Football and it was a pretty disappointing trip to Tranmere for Gillingham at the weekend. They suffered a 3-0 defeat away from home. Manager Neil Harris wasn't happy and he spoke to the club's media team after the game. Firstly, on behalf of my group, I apologise to the loyal fans that travel today. Um, it's not a position I like to be in as a, the leader of the pack, I have to apologise, um, but the performance wasn't acceptable. I, I can accept not playing well or being undone by really good play, but we got out-fought and out-competed. Um, and like, I always talk openly and honestly, uh, everyone think knows that by now, um, and that shouldn't happen for any of my teams. And uh, I have to assess the players individually and collectively, but off the top of my head, we got, we come up the road against a team that had not overly competed well in the first couple of games and they've turned us over. So uh, it's not acceptable um, and I'll do my damnedest to make sure it doesn't happen again. In the dressing room after the game, do you say an awful lot? Do the players know what you're going to say? Is it is the silence say enough for you? Um, it, so it's not always about what the manager says. I'm interested in what the players say. Uh, players 
very quiet. Um, I'm disappointed that I'd like to see a few more opinions, I've got to be honest. Um, um, it's not, it wasn't the time to run and wave. We have to uh, pick ourselves up to go Tuesday. I just asked the players just, just to watch the game back themselves. Um, you know, watch the game back themselves and, and judge themselves. And do they think it's acceptable to represent our football club in, in that manner? Um, and I think there'd be a reality check for some of them. Is it a plus point that you've got a game Tuesday that you can get back in front of your own fans and try and put right some of the wrongs as quickly as you can? Here's if the players perform better than that. And I think we got beat at Wimbledon by making a couple of a couple of errors um, and lead, one lead to a really good goal. Today the goals are just horrific. You've got to be honest, Phil, they're like embarrassment for manager to stand and watch his players and see goals like we did. It's just not it's not acceptable. And the, the, the players have got to improve quickly while they won't play. On to cricket and better news from Kent. They were back to winning ways after beating Northamptonshire in the One Day Cup. Ben Compton scored 87 to help the Spitfires to victory in Canterbury yesterday. They won by four wickets in the end and travelled to Derbyshire for their next match on Wednesday. Kent, however, have lost three out of five games so far in the competition. Kent's Tom Bosworth has announced he's decided to withdraw from this year's European Championships in Munich, meaning his athletics career is now over. The race walker was selected as part of the team and was due to compete in the 20-kilometre event, but he says despite training, he knows his body will struggle too much and that the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham was the perfect send-off. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajakarnu says she's excited to be playing Serena Williams in the opening round of the Cincinnati Masters. The 19-year-old from Orpington was due to take on the 23-time Grand Slam champion today, but the match has been pushed back to tomorrow. Emma's described her opponent as the best tennis player of all time as she prepares to defend her US Open title next month. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site to do it. You need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk UK forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat, and Vauxhall.